Hey guys, what's going on? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, and I'm doing my first vidcast on location in the last 18 months. Last time we did this was literally 18 months ago, wow. and I cannot be more excited than to have the face of CWF, the man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyways because that's what we do when we're hosts. We have to introduce. We yeah, do. of course. Please welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, Jesse Beaver. What's going on, Hello, my dude? Hello, Straight Talk Wrestling. I love to be Thank you so much for having me, George. This is fantastic. Dude, it's an honor for us. Like I said, you're a staple, and um, we always pride ourselves on doing our research and being really, really focused, and a lot of the mini host questions usually help me segue into some of my questions. Right. So I want to talk about you being on the Vice uh, TV documentary. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and you did mention in her five questions, which always airs the Saturday before ours does. Mine oh, drops perfect. on the Wednesday or Thursday. So people are going to get a little intro with her nice. with, on the Saturday. And then you and I are going to get into the meat and potatoes and stuff. The but meat you, potatoes. I love it. That's a great. So you were really, if we think about it, the wrestlers was dark side of the ring yeah. before dark side of the ring was dark side of the ring. It really was. And if anybody doesn't know that wrestlers pretty much followed a lot of indie stars, a lot of indie wrestlers in doing what they do on a day to day basis. Yeah. Now, when you sat down with my daughter, you did mention the uncomfortableness of the camera following you around for two weeks. Yeah. Talk to me about that. It's honestly... As magical as it was to have people filming you all the time, it's also one of those things where you have a camera on you 24 hours a day. So for me to walk around and try to like do things that I would normally do and I try not to do on camera, it's you're kind of getting caught in your real action feel, right? So it's like they're they're at home living with you as we're out there. So we were on, it was a two week tour that we were gone for and the whole time they were there. They were shadowing us the whole time. They were literally our shadows. Other than when you were sleeping, I would hope. Oh, yeah, yeah. The time when we went to sleep, they, they went to sleep. They went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So right. it works so, out that So way. a lot of times, is it, do you find yourself, I, I got to ask it because I've never been able to ask someone who's ever been filmed on a reality TV side of stuff. Absolutely. Do you, do you alter yourself a little bit, even though it's reality TV? <laughs> because you subconsciously, even though they say, oh, pretend there's no camera there, act natural. That's got to be hard to do. It, it's very hard to do because you're, you're right. A, a part of you always wants to show you're not this bad guy or whatever. Like you're trying to almost overdo it sometimes. So overcompensate for really who you are. But at the end of it, it got to a point where I just didn't really care. So I, I'm like, you know, you have a camera on you all the time. You can't hide it. You can't hide the fact that you are on camera. So people are gonna get the vibe of you anyway. So it got to a point where it's, if you're gonna like me, you're gonna like me. If you're gonna hate me, you're gonna hate me. Right, and now my next comment's probably gonna get me some heat, but I have to oh, be okay. honest. Here we go. Documentaries are supposed to just show the information Yep. and let the viewer decide. Yes. I find a lot of the times, and again, I'm not trying to crap on anybody, but with Dark Side of the Ring, mm -hmm. it's kind of very one-sided in the information that's put out there in certain episodes. Yeah. Because you always hear about, you know, Vince McMahon this or Vince McMahon that, but you're yeah. never, Vince McMahon hasn't been featured as an interview on any of the episodes. So how can we really know what was said or not said in those, in those office meetings? But with your documentary, The Wrestlers, did you yeah. find it to be very factual did you find that they kept a lot of things in there and didn't edit or alter any of the information to make it more spicy if you will you know what they actually kept very true to their word on everything so a lot of the stuff was because they really educated you if you really like uh for anybody who's ever actually watched our episode um it was an episode where you learned a lot about our, our indigenous culture mm -hmm. which a lot of people didn't actually know and i feel like even to this day they really don't understand the indigenous culture and how much of the stuff that they actually deal with so even like if you take one of the storylines that we played out on at the first uh, match there, we had Matthew Mounty versus our Cree Nation, right? Mm -hmm. So people obviously didn't understand when you had your true Canadian Matthew Mounty come out, Canadian anthem, that is white as he can come. Like <laughs> he comes out, he's supposed to be this big baby face for he's, us, right? He's pre very stereotypical, yeah. almost insulting Canada exactly. in a way. A he little, really, just a, just a tad. It, it's like when you were a kid and you watched the Mountie, yeah. you were like, oh dude, like, it's, it's hard on, to man. watch now. Yeah, it's, it, as, as a Canadian, as a proud Canadian now, I'm just all, I look back at those matches with the Mountie and I'm like, oh, I just I feel so insulted. Even the Quebecers, remember? Yeah, the Quebec yeah, yeah. I, I like I have a lot of friends and some family in Quebec, and every time I talk to my uncles about that, they're like, yeah, complete farce, like just oh, just yeah. nonsense. Like yeah, okay, it's we, overkill. We swear, yeah, exactly. That's what mm. I, I get it. You wanna you wanna sell up, but they're the one thing I love about wrestling now, and I'm pretty sure you might agree with me, mm -hmm. is that. Um, selling up is okay, but that realism is what's ever since oh, the yeah. Monday Night Wars, the realism is what puts Absolutely. butts in the seats. I agree with that 100%. And I think that being said, the way we played it off, you think that it was going, like, just to add to your realism, when he came out, he got booed almost out of the building just because of the fact that he was your stereotypical, like, Canadian. 
But what people obviously don't know, and if people actually do their history, and they will know, your true Canadians are the Cree or Indigenous or anybody else who's actually were here first. Mm -hmm. That's why those were our baby faces. So I think that was a cool thing that Vice kind of really played off of that and then tried to educate people to understand that. So it was a really cool, it was a very cool feel. I really liked it all. It was. I, I actually caught that too. And especially now, especially with what we've discovered in the last six months alone mm -hmm. about what happened to the Indigenous people here right. and all the dark secrets that Canada has. Because Canada is supposed to be the peacekeepers of the world. You think so. They're supposed to be, you know, the up and up. We're, we're always fighting for the world. We're not yeah. just fighting for ourselves. But as we've learned painfully in the last six months or so, it wasn't always that way. It might yeah. be that way now, or that might be the perception that we have now, but it wasn't always the case in our digit. And anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, please do your research, check it out. All we, we hear now, we're changing our tone here in Canada, mm -hmm. and we want to represent our history, our past, and we want to embrace both the positives and the negatives. And that's absolutely, what I think we've, we've learned to do is that we've embraced the fact that the early stages of Canada was very dark and very, very, very horrible to what was done to our indigenous culture. And, and we want to change that. So, I, and I'm happy that the world has gotten on board and I'm happy that Canada as a whole has gotten on board yeah. because we know what happened. We can't erase it, but we can learn from it. And that's the biggest part yeah, about it. Yeah, you can show learning. a little bit more empathy, right? A hundred percent. More than just one day a year. Yes, of course. And that's that's what we do in this world nowadays is everything is just one day a yeah, year. Yeah, they get one, there's a new holiday every time you turn around. Exactly. Absolutely. It's like all of a sudden now over the last five years, we're celebrating families because now there's family day. But yeah. families should be celebrated all the time. You think so. You would think so. Speaking of family. Yes. I want to talk about you because we, you, every, like my daughter mentioned, everyone has that great rival. And you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. three names. I now, two, two names I'm going to touch on. One name we'll leave off for obvious reasons as to what was shed earlier this year. So we'll leave tyson off the table okay yeah. but we'll talk about your dad okay so like i mean you mentioned your dad being the biggest influence but also being one of your biggest rivals yes i mean you guys literally have fought on and off you must have had 20 or 30 matches under your belt against each other oh easily yeah. and then also don't forget the tag team stuff that you've done and everything mm -hmm. else that you've mixed in but how much fun is it to sit down and be creative and work out the science because a lot of people don't understand the science and the yeah. artwork that goes into a match they really don't <laughs> so how cool is it to sit down with your dad maybe over dinner maybe over a few drinks maybe out on the front porch you're just staring at the stars and, <laughs> and discussing it i don't know what what your guys process is to right. get to it but how much fun is it to, i mean your dad's a legend in this business your dad has been around for a while you yourself are carving out your own identity yeah. but the good thing is is that you were bumping when you were eight so you've got years on your dad you've still got a lot more years do, to put I in so yeah, it's yeah. it's great to see that but what's that like the science of dissecting it with your i mean your dad was your hero your, yeah. our dads are every son's hero is their first hero is their father until yeah. they discover like comic books or <laughs> music interests but your first hero is your dad so how was it to sit down with your your first hero your biggest influence and dissect how you two were going to tear each other apart is that cliche to say no i think it's, it's probably <laughs> the best way to put it really <laughs> uh it actually kind of worked out like that i think we our first match together we worked at a comic-con and this is like I just started getting the idea, but I wasn't there yet. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, it's, it takes a lot of time to un understand the science, like you're saying, of right? Of course. Um, so when we first got to put things together, it was a lot of my dad. So my dad was the one that's like, this is what you're doing. You're doing it, kid, and I don't care what you got to say, right? So I was like, shut up and do what you're told. All right, you got it, whatever you say. Uh, so we ended up going out there, and it was like, it was really good. It was like a lot of the feel that I didn't understand and started to understand with him was working on the fly together. Like, um, a lot of people probably won't understand that term, and I'm sure that it's one of those things where if you can go out there, you don't have to call anything. It's one of those things you just feel, right? It's in the moment. So It's, it's like having that. I always call wrestling, and i sorry to cut you off. No, I always okay. call wrestling the great dance. Yes. So it's when you can find that dance partner. Yes. Who you just have that rhythm with. And exactly. When it's almost like being a tag team. But, uh, but opponents. Exactly. So you can know what the other one's going to do mm -hmm. without an eye, without body language. You can just know that I know now he's going to come kick me in the face. Exactly. It's and chemistry. I, it, it's, it's, it, it's really it's chemistry. 151% chemistry. Yes. So you and your dad have just that oh. instinctive chemistry. It, at first, like, even when we started wrestling together, there was a little bit of that chemistry. I may have been a little lost on things, but now when we get together... We can get out there, and I, we probably wouldn't have to do anything in the back. We could just walk out there and do the whole match. Whatever it was going to be, whatever we had like planned in our own heads, we could get out there, do it, and we're doing it already. We're setting each other up to the spot where we want to go into. 
So it's really cool. I like the feel. We also really play off the crowd together very well. Right. So whatever he's going off of, I can go off of as well, or whatever I'm going off of, he can go off of very well. So it's very cool. It's a very nice feeling to have with your father. Absolutely. And I did watch some of those promos that you two cut on each other in some of your on-again, off-again rivalry. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, promos, promos are therapy, right? Oh, yeah. So when you're cutting a promo on your dad and some of those promos, you two really <laughs> went hard. We brought the real stuff out. You That's did. You, you brought kind of that family dynamic into it. Can I ask, can I ask, and again, I, I don't mean to be intrusive or offensive. No, it's okay. How much of that was truth? Oh my God. How much of it was played up, but how much of it was that raw, real father-son emotion? I, I like to use real emotion when I'm talking anyway. So, it, like you said, it works really well when you're working with somebody that you're comfortable with. So I can sit here with my dad all day long and just start shooting on him about something that, oh, you, you hit me with a belt back when we were a kid or something stupid and really bring out that like raw stuff where people can then go, oh my goodness, like no wonder he wants to beat up his dad. Like, yeah, his dad, was, his dad was like, a shite. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of a like a jerk <laughs> you can swear it's okay he was yeah, a can, dickhead okay. he was he's a dickhead asshole, right? he's jerk. an asshole <laughs> he was like there was even times where it's like he threatened to throw us over balconies and something stupid right and being a wrestler that's just to him it's like it's normal in the household but if you talk to any other household doing that you'd probably be facts would be called you'd probably be pulled from your family or something crazy. remember the russell russell peters skit because I've, I've threatened to call child services on my parents when i was a kid once or twice oh is this the one with the phone yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i know it takes child services 15 minutes to get here so in that time <laughs> somebody's gonna get a whooping right somebody is. and i would always i was talking oh, you can't do that to me you get, there's child services for a reason they protect protect kids yeah, yeah. but it takes them 15 minutes to get here <laughs> And in that 15 minutes, I can do whatever because they already think I'm doing it. Yeah. So I might as well just beat the living shit out of you. And here's the phone. Give them a call. Give them a call. Go ahead. <laughs> call you know I know the number. It's right here. It's Let me Steve dial it. I'll hit number two if you want. <laughs> oh, man. So when you're – do you find it hard, though, to to pull back when you're – because, I mean, again, like you talked about the crowd. We all know the crowd is an extra element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're cutting a promo in front of a live crowd, do you tend to go a little harder than you normally would? Oh, Absolutely. So do, was there ever a time where you and your dad might have looked at each other across the ring and been like, fuck, that was like, that was extra, dude. Like you didn't need to go that hard. Was there ever moments like that that happened? I've actually had my dad a couple of times where I, I, and this makes me feel really bad because I don't think sometimes he realizes how we actually were when we were growing up. And I think sometimes it hits him where he's like, oh man. And he questions and thinks he was a bad father. Right. But honestly, I love my dad. I love everything about him. Of I course. know he gets a lot of flack like through other people and whoever else want to say whatever they want about him. But to me, he's, he's my dad and I'll love him forever. Like he's a guy that's mentored me since I was a kid and he shaped me into the man that I am today. And I believe that I am a good person myself. So I, at the end of the day, I want him to know. And I know he knows, like I let him know after all these raw moments and stuff anyway, that I do love him and all the stuff that I'm saying, it's just to work with the crowd and we're just living in the moment. Right, right. And that's and that's where you got to I guess you got to find that business side of stuff mm -hmm. and that personal side of stuff. And then you got to walk that line. Yeah. But a lot of times in wrestling, the line can get blurry. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It can get really blurry. And a lot of times, you know, wrestlers can get called out for realistic things that may have happened behind closed doors that they're yeah. not supposed to know about. Exactly. And in this day and age, the Me Too movement or the speaking out movement, which yeah. a lot of things came to light. It was it was hard to really see some of your heroes or some of the people that you worked with doing or saying the things that might have been heard about yeah there's some crazy stuff there. there was some crazy stuff so i'm not going to get into specifics but when all that stuff was going on and you've worked with a lot of names that yeah. were pulled into that yeah what was your process in terms of because some of these people still have to work they've still yeah. been booked for shows a lot of the world is moving forward but at a very cautious pace yeah. with these names and also the, the the time that we're living in right now is a challenge for wrestling promoters and yeah. shows alike so, I mean, in terms of what you may have heard, I'm not, again, not mentioning specifics. Yeah. We already mentioned we're going to leave one off the table for obvious reasons because yeah. I don't want to get into the two personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. But when the names were coming out and some of the stuff that was happening, and you've worked with so many of these names, mm -hmm. I don't need to list them. People can do their research. But yeah. what, was your, what was your thought process, being someone who shared a locker room with these individuals? Uh, a little shocked. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say I'm shocked. Um, surprised. Uh, and honestly... It's very hard to process, to be honest. It's one of those things where it's like you don't have both sides. You're hearing from a lot from one side, 
but I'm a guy that likes to hear both sides before I even make some sort of judgment call or, or you're logical. Decision. So you're yeah. logical. So I, and there's I, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So like, and I, I just finished school with community justice as well. So they teach you a lot about getting both sides of the fence before you make a decision about anything or make a call on anything. You know where so, I learned a lot of that stuff? Where's that? LA law. Remember LA that law. show? Yeah. Remember yeah, that LA yeah. law? LA law, eh? Yeah. LA law and also power. Power. The show Power. Have you ever seen it? Power, I've never heard of. Okay, check it out. It's a star show. It's okay. about a drug dealing family in New York okay. and how they've been literally the kingpins of New York for like 20 years and not been caught. But wow. then in like six seasons, their whole world unravels. Is this like the mafia, almost like a set? No, it's, it's no? actually about two, uh, two drug dealers that nobody knows about. Oh, okay. Tommy Egan okay. and Ghost, a.k.a. Ghost. James St. Patrick, who's a nightclub owner by day and then one of the most powerful drug dealers in all of New York by night. Oh my Check goodness. it out. So six on seasons stars. on stars, six seasons. And now they have spinoff shows that okay. they've done. So check it out. I highly recommend it. Power on stars. Check We're it out. We're watching power now together. Everyone. That's right. We're going to binge watch <laughs> it later. It's going to be, I might have to book a hotel room. It's going to be like four or five days. Solid. Right. And power, by the way, you should probably sponsor this man for giving you guys a quick little cheap plug. That's right. I as appreciate Casey that. Probably knows as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's where I learned a lot of my stuff, but you've yeah. mentioned again, again, the logical side of, of getting both sides. So, yeah. Is that was that your thought process? Is okay. I've only heard sixty percent, or fifty percent, or forty yeah. percent of what is the act. Because there actually is three sides to a story. There's always three sides. So there's to yours, story. there's mine, and then there's the truth. Yeah, see, and now that's probably something you've seen in power as well. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So in your in your schooling and stuff, though, you've learned to be very logical yeah, with the thought you, process. Yeah, and you have to. You you sit and listen to every side, and uh, you try to process <clears throat> everything as you can as it's given to you, right? Um, and I find that. A lot of the movements and stuff that you've heard about like obviously i'm not saying that anyone's wrong in any way mm -hmm. shape or form mm -hmm. and i'm sure that half the people that are speaking out at the moment obviously or speaking out were or were speaking i'm sorry uh i'm not saying that they're wrong at all and i'm sure they have every right to speak out on what they want to and i and i do believe that if that's something that's happened you definitely should speak out for sure i agree with that 100 percent. and my my only thing is that the other side has a voice as well and i would like to hear both sides before I decide to make any type of judgment on anyone, right? So, and even then, I still try to stay out of all the drama that kind of goes on with everything. So of I course. try not to have any type of process or thought on anything. So, because I always find that if you get pulled into the drama, it's just something that going to give you bad rep yourself and it's bad. It's just bad reputation and bad PR for myself. So I'd rather more focus on myself and work towards a, a better future for me and then let everybody else try to get their process and everything figured out for themselves as well. Absolutely. So let's talk. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more brighter side of stuff. Let's talk okay. CWF. Let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your your YouTube channel. All the great stuff you guys are doing. The fact that you're back. We got crowds I again. I love this. this they got fantastic. crowds again. This is my first CWF show that I'm I'm, I'm at tonight. Yeah. So thank you so much for allowing oh, us to come you into your house. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. No, it's that's the way we do. And again, I always say that the one thing I pride myself on is I don't have interviews. Yeah. This is a conversation. Yeah. This is two people just shooting the breeze and enjoying everything about where we're going. It feels fantastic. There's no pressure. We're no. here having a conversation. It's great. I love it. I, I'm not a pressure-filled guy. I wouldn't want to put any pressure on myself, so why am I going to put any pressure on somebody who's gifting? And that's what it is. It's a gift to yeah. sit down with anybody in this business because I've been a wrestling fan. I'm 38 years old now. Nice. So I've been a wrestling fan, I want to say, since I was three or four. Wow. So eh? we're talking 34 years and again, there were you times. You grew up with the best side of wrestling. I grew up with the 80s. Yeah, and, and then my, my teenage years was the attitude era. Nice. And then, you know, I saw the ruthless aggression era. And then now we're in the um, the era of just wrestling is pop culture again. It really is. Eh? It's almost nerdy to not be a <laughs> wrestling fan. Whereas before, in all those time periods that I mentioned, if you're a wrestling fan, you're like, Dude, this, like you know, that's there's two dudes rolling around in their underwear fighting for a belt, right? Yeah. No, it's it's so much more than that. And the great thing is, is that I've been able to sit down with some amazing minds in this business and really get the psychology. So again, sitting down with with a veteran, a Canadian legend like yourself, and oh, coming, thank you. no, it's the truth, man. Like you've 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 changed and altered your career, your character, so many times to fit who you were in that moment do you know what i mean yeah. and i mean i love the i love the 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 toque the guitar stuff the <laughs> stick. it's 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 so cliche canadian wise yeah but it was fresh and knew the way you did it and i appreciated that so much so awesome. talk to me talk to me about i mean well the musical side of you you actually yeah. have your own music that you do on the side as well if, I, yeah. if i'm not mistaken so how was it to bring that into your character 
like to incorporate those two worlds like there's jesse the music artist mm -hmm. and then there's jesse the wrestler and then you had to pull them together mm -hmm. how was that in bringing that because that's 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 a personal side of you yeah. if you're an artist and a musician a lot of the stuff musicians you write what you know yeah and you write about personal stuff so how was it to bring that into say the character aspect where it's not so black and white because there is that mystique to the character. How was yeah. it to bringing the musical personal side into your character for that evolution? Honestly, it was kind of tough to be honest. Uh, I would think so. It's one of those things where it's like, cause my own persona is Jesse Bieber. Right. Um, it's obviously I'm playing off of Justin himself. Of right? course. So I'm taking his side. But without the hair. Without the hair. Yeah. 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 At the time, my hair was too frizzy. To yeah, you could you couldn't pull off the and that's and that's I tried it. I didn't <laughs> I didn't try it at all. Right? I was like 22 years old. My wife would have been like, no, no. Yeah, you no, can't try course. that. And my thing is like, I know with my hair, it's all over the place. So I had I had to find my own kind of view of it myself. Of course, of so, course. And I think that was some of the stuff that I could pull out from my real side. So being Jesse Rickman, pulling him together with Jesse Bieber. So I just took a lot of like the music stuff anyway, because I'm not going to lie. I was very similar to Bieber in the same way. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of. I guess that part was kind of the easier part. So if I'm following a character that's already kind of similar to me anyway, to blend them together, it's really not that difficult. The only thing that I did is if I was a bad guy, I was more of like a whiner or like a stuck up kid who got his way all the time. Or like Sidney Crosby or LeBron James between timeouts when they're whining to the ref. How come I didn't get a call for that, man? That should have been a foul. Exactly. That should have been a, yeah. exactly. Or, or more cowardly as well, right? So I've always played something weird and off like that, but anyway. Right. Um, Going off to myself, I, I, I feel like most of my music I wrote before was more love songs and stuff anyway. So I feel like as a baby face, I wanted to cater more to like being a softie or a sweetheart that people really wanted to get behind mm -hmm. and really like try to believe in. And that's why I think that maybe a lot of them want to get behind me because of the fact that I am a sweetheart and I am a nice guy or I'm trying to like really like cater to them if that makes sense absolutely yeah. you're you're not so much pandering but you're you're selling to the audience you want to draw in yeah exactly right. so i feel like it's almost kind of a hard question to answer i think trying to like combine myself together with somebody like that just it kind of just flowed and worked and some things didn't and i just kind of worked with what i had in the in the time right so. right and it's and it's a lot of it's got to be a lot of trial and error like you said some things yeah. didn't work so you went out you may have did something the, you didn't get the reaction you were hoping yeah, for. Yeah, I gotta go out. And try you were like, the next you're like, day, okay, right? listen, I gotta go out. I gotta, I gotta change this. I gotta alter it. So, in terms of wrestling being back right now, and the flow of everything that's happening, and that the world is opening up again to to be a little bit more normal, right. if we will, or get back to whatever this getting new normal. somewhat to the new normal. New normal, yeah, because I mean, there's right now we're sitting here fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. And we're within the comfort and space of each other. We're not confined. You know, I'm not invading yours. Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah, invading yeah. mine. We're comfortable, but again, people would look at this and be like, oh, there's there's two jackasses not doing their part for COVID. <laughs> yeah. So again, I just want to stress, we are both fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and that's why we're here, and that's why Jesse was comfortable enough to to allow us into his space, and I can't wait and for the show. once again, thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely, like dude, we're honored. We're honored, and we're humble. Every time we get asked to come out and sit down with someone, it's, for me, I geek out all the time, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to sit down and talk with somebody who does stuff. So you mentioned something with my daughter you mentioned you were taking bumps since you were eight years oh my old. goodness yeah eight years old <laughs> so i mean the first bump question i ask a billion times but i've never asked as somebody who was eight years old yeah so when you're you're in the ring and your dad's like okay jess you're gonna take a bump and you're eight years old yeah so you put your power rangers down or you put your your ninja turtles <laughs> down yeah, yeah yeah and you take a bump yeah. at eight years old and all you see is just lights above you what was the feeling because, I mean, I've known wrestlers who took a first bump at 18, 20, even 15, yeah. 14, 13. I've spoken to a young girl. 13, my goodness. A young girl from uh, the U.S., Billy Starks, amazing talent. Right. Uh, took her first bump at 12, 13. Right. So you're at eight. Eight. We're, not, we're talking not even double digits. No. But the good thing either. about being eight is that your body is literally can heal itself almost overnight. Yeah, you'd think so. But I guess I guess I guess <laughs> no, you're about no. to educate me that that's you're, not you're the case. You're gonna learn something real fast here. <laughs> okay. So talk to me about first bump at eight years old. So honestly, when I used to bump at eight years old, I really had a fast bump, and I still to this day have a really fast bump. Mm -hmm. So um, because of that, my dad would actually tell his students to watch me bump. So these kids, these guys, well, I guess I wouldn't say kids because they were 18, 20, right, coming in, normal age, to come in and learn how to wrestle. Of course. All these guys would come in, and I'd be playing off in the distance doing something, and all of a sudden I'd hear my dad go, Jesse, come here. And I would just come running in, and uh, he'd get me in the ring, and he'd go, Jesse, show these guys a bump. 
and I straight up would just back bump right there on the spot and it was full blown like feet kicked ready to go wherever my feet were standing my shoulders landed so it was like a full out bone like blown like someone pulled a curtain or a carpet under from right underneath from underneath you, you. Right? right so they pull it right from underneath me I land boom all these guys are in shock because first of all you just watch this eight-year-old running around like a little brat around the whole wrestling school now all of a sudden he's gonna get in here and bump and out show you up right oh of course so now I think at the time it was the best feeling in the world. Of course. I just made my dad proud, and uh, I think that's something that I strive to do when I was younger, right? Obviously, being my first hero and all that we absolutely, talked about. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as I got older, I realized kids should not be bumping until <laughs> until they uh, are about 18 or something, right? So once you hit 16 years old, at that point, your bones and start stuff, like you're still obviously growing, but as an eight-year-old, you have so much more growing so now if I'm bumping every two minutes and I throw anything out, well, now all, all my bones or anything else is going to grow differently than everybody else's would, right? Because now right. I'm wrestling at eight years old. Right. So now I'm growing up and I already can feel like pains and stuff through me. So uh. now I'm like, I'm 28 years old and I already feel like I'm like 70, oh, right? So it's no. things like that where it's so, like... Uh, so really kids, to cliche the 90s wrestling... <laughs> Do not try this at home. Do not try it at until home. Until you are of legal consenting adult age, which nice. is 18, 99% of the world. Yes, yes. So please do not train <laughs> or do anything about being. You know what's funny? When I was a kid, I would watch Monday Night Raw and we would go to the back where my school was. We had this kind of like hill that dipped. Okay. And it dipped. It was about five feet. Okay. So you could get away with doing stuff in like the back corners. Oh my goodness, yeah. And we used to have a chain link fence there, so we would do steel cage matches. Oh yeah. Of and I remember one time the, when, when we stopped doing the backyard or back schoolyard wrestling, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I gave my buddy a pedigree. Oh no. And I gave it to him square on two rocks, positioned right where my knees were. So when he came down, I broke his nose. Yeah, of course. And I literally. I got two scars on both my knees from where the rocks like went in. Uh -huh. So that was the moment where I realized I don't want to do anything these guys or girls do in the ring. Mm -hmm. I just want to enjoy it for what it is. You know what's crazy that you mentioned the pedigree? I know so many people, because the pedigree is the biggest move I hear from back then, of course. Oh, of course. It was the biggest move that people got hurt on all the time. Of course, because you're slamming your knees into yeah, the ground. Yeah, and, and a lot of times people don't understand that your face driving into the into the ground, right? So if you don't have control of that person and you're not trained to do that or take it, you're gonna definitely break your nose, no problem at all. Well, so, even even uh, even something as simple as a, a suplexer or a neck breaker yep. done improperly, you could paralyze someone for the rest Absolutely. of their lives. There was actually somebody in Florida I think I heard from way back in the day. My dad used to tell this story all the time. Uh, gave a pile driver to his uh, eight-year-old brother, ten-year-old brother. Can't remember who it was. Paraplegic, right? Yeah. He ended paraplegic. Up being a yeah, I've heard that story. You have heard that. Oh one. yeah, that story's been evolved throughout the the incomes of of time in 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 the wrestling world. You hear those uh, scary stories like that. And that's the scariest one that I've heard. Oh yeah, and that's kids just being a kids, right? But then mm -hmm. you look at guys like Mick Foley jumping off their roofs when they're 18 years old and and walking away without a scar or a scratch. Which is insane. But then you look at him now, and he's only in his late 50s early 60s i want to say and he looks like he's 90 yep and that's just because the toll that the body takes so would you say in this time period of having this kind of time off from wrestling when the world stopped because of the pandemic yeah would you say that was the best time for a lot of wrestlers because it allowed a lot of wrestlers to heal I mind think, body and soul you know what <clears throat> you put it that way and i feel like it was definitely good for a lot of people i also think i'm very mixed on it because i feel like for me be, when all the quarantine and everything ended up happening, I feel like I got into a, a weird depression state too, right? Because now you don't have anything where you're not entertaining anymore. You don't really have that thing where you want to do for people. You're now working whatever you're doing to, to kind of eat or meet ends meet, doing whatever you want to do. And even then, if you were laid off of that, you're now sitting at home doing nothing. Right. So if you're used to being on the go, which I know a lot of wrestlers are, a lot of my friends in the wrestling business are the same way, um, you're used to being on the go all the time. You're constantly working. Then you go to your wrestling shows. You're always working out. You're trying to do things to make sure you're you're keeping yourself busy. So to go from all of that to, well, now you're just going to stay at home and do nothing now, right? So you're you're now used to going to a gym and working out. Now you got to work out at home. To feel that kind of workout change too itself is pretty rough. And I mean, one guy that I've noticed has pulled it off. And if anything, he seems like he's striving through it all is just insane. 
That man is crushing it. And he looks fantastic. He's my personal trainer. He is I, a personal I, trainer. Yeah, he's my my wife and I hired him. He's helped us out immensely. Oh uh, my goodness, got me amazing. got me on the the healthy eating uh, yeah. lifestyle. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect because I'm not. Man, uh, any so any chance I can I could squeeze I can get a McDouble in yeah. dressed like a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah. Dude, I would, that sounds delicious. Actually. Have you never had it? Well, dressed like a Mac used to so be a it's double a Mc, cheeseburger. They think. Right, but now, so now they call it a McDouble. It's just a fancier way. They take a piece way. of cheese off. Yeah, they take a piece of cheese, one piece of cheese one off. One piece of cheese off. But you get a McDouble dressed like a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's like a little mini Mac. Yeah. And it's not the, the calories of a Big Mac. It's not all the bread of a Big Mac because right. you lose that slice in the middle. Fair enough. But it's a little bit of heaven, man. I call it, the, I call it a mini Mac. The mini Mac, the yeah. heavenly mini Mac. And you know when I discovered that? that? I'm not gonna lie. 18 years old, high as a kite, <laughs> walking, yeah. walking through the McDonald's drive-through. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, you know, I was smart you enough. You could do that back then. Too. You could do that back then. Yeah, you you could. could. There was a walk-up lane, yeah. so I walked up and I said, "Hey, man, can I get a, can I get a, like a double cheeseburger? But can you dress it like a Big Mac? Can you give me that lettuce, that pickles, that that sauce? Yeah, yeah. Can you the give me the sauce. Big Mac sauce? You need sauce? the sauce. The sauce and is part of the And it mix. was like three bucks. And it's now it's about four fifty because obviously inflation. Is that all it is now? Four fifty. Still? Still, yeah. I, I I had I'm not gonna lie, Justin, you're gonna see this in a couple weeks. I had it yesterday, bro. <laughs> I had it I had it yesterday. I had two actually yesterday and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I wanted him to call himself out on it. That's I did. We shouted you out. Justin, <laughs> I you are my personal trainer. I have not lived up to it, but I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I finally quit smoking. <laughs> So that's oh, the first nice. step. Congratulations. Yeah, well, it was my daughters. Both oh. my both my eleven year old and my five year old at home were getting on me and it was just it was time. You know what's crazy about that actually? I got a little story for okay, you. Okay, absolutely. So, that being said, Cassie, that's amazing by the way. It's Thank such you. a small world. My birthday present to me when my dad asked me when I was like really young, I must have been six or seven. And uh, he asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and at the time he was a heavy smoker, and I literally looked at him and said, I want you to quit smoking. That was my birthday present. And he gave it to me, and he's never smoked since. Awesome. Isn't that crazy? Awesome. Small world. Now maybe he'll do the same thing for you guys. It's been good. It's been a couple weeks so far. I've had my up and down moments, especially with the Nick Fitz. Oh, you're going to Like in the car it. today, traffic. Yeah. When you're stuck in traffic, when you're a smoker, the first thing you do is roll the windows down. Obviously not when my kids are in the car. I don't yeah. smoke with my children in the car. I want to let that know. And for everybody out Everybody out there. I'm not that, I'm not that, <laughs> that parent. Nice. But if I was by myself, or oh, I would have the windows down the whole car, right? I probably would have blown through a whole pack of cigarettes. Wow. Just because when you're in the car... And you're stuck in traffic. You just need something. So what I did on the way t- to here, we filled up with gas. At the gas station, I got two packs of gum. Yeah. I got, what, half a pack left? I went through all that gum in the car, <laughs> but it substituted for the smoking. That's still pretty good, it's though. still pretty good, You though. control yourself? That was dedication. I could, right well, I had, my, I had my temper tantrum road rage moments. Oh, of this, course. This, of course. It's like that, that line from Mallrats. This, yeah. That kid is back on the escalator. <laughs> but it was, it was me. It was like, this fucking Mercedes keeps cutting me off. And it's always... The Mercedes, even. Yeah, the Mercedes, man. Because the the Mercedes, Mercedes always. I find people who drive Mercedes, and anybody who drives a Mercedes may not. I'm not (laughs) stereotyping, but I find a lot of people who drive Mercedes and BMWs. They're kind of dicks. I was gonna say BMWs. BMWs, Mercedes, kinds of dicks. Even Jeeps. People who drive Jeeps, Jeep drivers, yeah, because they all have this like their own subculture. Yeah. Like if you're if you're driving a Jeep, like if you and I had Jeeps and we were stopped at a red light, we would have to stare at each other and kind of do the. You have to. You have to. And, and I think that's like the, the lamest thing in the world. <laughs> like if you drive a Jeep, good for you. I drive a Jeep, good for me. I don't have to acknowledge you as a person right. because we own the same vehicle. I feel like some people do that though. Cause even my cousin has a, like a Mustang and anytime he's driving down the street and he sees a Mustang, they both tip their hats at each other and they're on their way. I had one guy, <laughs> I had one guy do that to me with my Maxima. Okay. Okay, I, okay. Like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I got the newer, the newer Maxima. So it looks pretty nice. It's not a bad car. But you're driving down the street, and you have another one driving down the street with you, and it's the same style car. Look, literally looked at me and went, uh, nice car, man. I'm like, okay. Maybe it's just the fact that, like, they want to acknowledge somebody who's got the same car because you're always I have a at- Kia Sorento, and every time I see another Kia Sorento, we don't acknowledge that. You probably just go. We just, we just look at each other and go, <laughs> you, you can afford the same car that I can afford. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Good for you. It's oh, an so SU- you're a beater, too. Yeah, nice. yeah. Look it. at you. You got a, you got a Kia. You got a, you're <laughs> all right. You're all right. You're a good, you're a good kind of guy. You got a Kia. You're a reliable family vehicle. Gets you from A to B. Great on gas mileage. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need. I only paid twenty bucks for this car. So, you talked about again making your dad proud. Yeah. So was wrestling always in the cards for you? Was there ever another option 
that you want, like you talked about, obviously going for uh, the schooling that you did. Again, it was yeah. criminal. Uh, community justice. Community justice. So that's your fallback. That's your backup. Yeah. That's your that's your your passion, what you're interested in. Yeah. But was wrestling always like, was it like, listen, there's no option for you. You can have backup plans, but you are going to be a wrestler. Honestly, music was it. Music was my biggest passion when I was younger because it was just something I wanted to pursue. And uh, being that kid, I uh, remember when I first started training, my dad used to try and push me to get into class. And I must have been like 14, 15 at the time where I, I ended up being a referee in the wrestling business. Okay. So I ended up taking on the wrestling thing and it wasn't very serious for me. I'm like, whatever, I can, I can do it and I like it. It's okay to get in front of the crowd. Even when I started wrestling, it was the same thing. But when classes and stuff came in, I'm like, listen, I'm not... This isn't a big thing for me. I don't really care to be in the wrestling ring. I get pushed in because my dad just puts me in the shows. I'm like, so at this point, I'd rather grab a guitar, go play at a bar, and, like, play my songs to all these random people that I can, like, entertain this way. Of course. Right? But then, I mean... But still, you mentioned the one word right there, entertain. So either way, you're still... This is where it all blended together, so right? So you're still... Your dad sold you on the fact that, well, you're still entertaining exactly. people. Exactly. <laughs> so now, right? So my dad would... This is exactly what you were talking about earlier. This is where I was trying to blend it in, but I couldn't find the words how to get it. But uh, starting so young, um, I ended up finding out that when you get in the ring as, like, a wrestler... It doesn't have to be all exactly wrestling if you can be an entertainer, right? And get the crowd involved with you because it's the exact same thing as a musician when you're playing for these people. Completely understandable. Absolutely. Right? So now if I put them all together, now I can be this entertainer, like a super entertainer for everybody. So I've now got if, lightning in a bottle. Exactly. So now if I come out like, say, somebody would if it's the first time you hear their name getting called to the stage. Same thing like a comedian, right? You hear their name coming to the stage, what they're going to do is come in on fire, that crowd's going to lose their mind. Same thing with a band. You hear the first song come out, crowd's going to lose their mind. So how do I come out on fire like that all the time? So now I take this, use it, bring it into the, re the wrestling world, right? Now my entrance has to be fire because that's my entrance when I'm coming onto the stage. Boom. Bring it out on there. Now I'm ready to go. Now how do I bring more music into, the, into these people's lives? So now I'd like to do more things where my promos are going to be more music related. Mm -hmm. And I'd like mm -hmm. uh, more of like in the ring, I'd like to probably bring more of the guitar involved. I just got to be careful because I have a Taylor guitar and I won't bring that in the ring because if of anything happens to that, I, I would probably cry for, for years. And I, I would, <laughs> That's understandable. But you know what's cool about that is that you could, again, not, not trying to sell you on anything, but just having, having that kind of booking mindset, mm -hmm. I kind of could see you, even as a heel or as a face, okay. to cut a promo on your opponent singing a song about them, much like <laughs> the Rock concerts. Yeah. Remember the Rock? I do. Uh, I, I only say that because you got the the Rock hat right on. I'm a huge Rock mark. The Vicky Guerrero, <laughs> the Vicky Guerrero one. Yes, yes. She puts on her makeup, <laughs> and then she says, "Baby, how do I look?" And then I say, "Honey, you look horrible tonight." <laughs> so, like, you could really. And I'm sorry for my bad singing. Yeah, uh, I thought it was fantastic. If we were in the shower, you'd all be begging for more. Oh, yeah, okay? definitely. Acoustically, in the shower, I could sound like, you know, Pavarotti, okay? Oh, yeah, especially if I you're on hit shampoo those. mode. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And if you're, if you're in there and you're, oh, it's a little bit of a Oh, yeah, 100, 100%. You have a certain nerve in your head. <laughs> just, and that's all, all of a sudden, you can sing. I could speak pure Italian. Oh, like, yeah. Like, pure <laughs> Italian, nice. <laughs> so... But have you, like, I mean, that's something you could do, and that would be so much fun. That's actually something I thought of. And I actually would love to, like, be able to bring a guitar and a chair in the middle of the ring and just play something on the fly like, and like work with something, cut, whatever I got. Cut a song, cut a song on, on, like, Cody Diener. But instead, oh, of, yeah. instead of, like, Country Girl, Shake It For Me, you could be like, Hillbilly, just go away, man. Yeah. Just go away, man. You think of that You're such a hick. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you could do something like that. Like, my gun, maybe you should have my gimmick. I should. I could do it. I, and you know what? But you know what we could do? I could write. I, I'll be your ghostwriter. Okay, okay. I'll write for you, and then you go out and just handle it all in the ring. I love it. I don't have to do anything. And this, that's probably the easiest thing for me as well. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't have to think of it. So there it is. Cody Diener, next time you want to beef with uh, Jesse, you know, instead of country girl shaking for me, it's just going to be like, hillbilly, go away. That's right, hillbilly. Hillbilly, 
go you're away. You're gonna go away. We're gonna so make you go we talked away. about we talked about Cody Deaner. Yeah, yeah. As yes. another great rival, a rival that you could literally see yourself fighting forever. Because let's be honest, Dad's older. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So you're not gonna, you know, you, you may have one or two more goes at Dad before really. Which I really hope we can. A hundred percent. And Dad, again, do your research. I'm not gonna. I don't want to just sit here and just sell facts because that's not how I do my interviews. Right. Anybody that wants to do the research on who we're talking about, by all means, do the research. Cody Deaner, as we all know, I mean, if you live under a rock and you don't watch Impact Wrestling, I don't know what to tell you. I'm a huge <laughs> Impact Mark, yeah. and I love Deaner. Now, Deaner is a guy that's literally evolved himself from I'm just happy to be here yeah. to, like, dark. He's, like, grizzled and violent He's gri- Well, violent by design. Violent right? by design, yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. Eh? Yeah, there it is. What a <laughs> segue, right? There's a beautiful segue. A beautiful segue. I-, I pride myself on my segues. I really do. <laughs> um, but Cody Deaner, somebody that you could see yourself fighting forever. Yeah. Um, in terms of feuds... When do you know how to up the ante? Because if it's a feud that never ends, like everybody knows a series of three, you go one-on-one, somebody gets screwed over, then you kind of have the other match where the, the baby face will get the upcomings. Yeah. And then there's that third stage, like the three stages of hell. Yeah. There's that third stage where you either end it in a steel cage, you go hell in a cell. Careers on no, the line. Careers on crazy. the line, career versus title. Yeah. Uh, you, you always end it in that, that where anything goes type style yeah. match. Now, I mean, you've had your fair share of, you know, multiple matches. Yeah. But is there a match that you haven't been able to progress into a storyline that you would love to if you could? Because I, oh. I could see you and Diener having, like, a Falls Count Anywhere or a parking lot brawl or an empty arena-style match, yeah. which I know you haven't done some of those. Yeah. So could you see yourself working with Diener in a capacity where it's, like, balls to the wall? I just If we're going to end this feud that's been going on for a decade gotta be a brawl we gotta do it yeah. all out where it can't a ref can't stop the fight yeah you have to quit yeah like no dq or, or yeah, I, actually, quit I quit match yeah i was just gonna so say. so have you have you done something like that or has there been a way to segue with one of these great rivals to get to a stage of that capacity i think uh <clears throat> i've actually done the the false count anywhere match with my dad right so we've actually ended up bleeding into a false count anywhere where we go anywhere in the building obviously um that's been the biggest one uh but no, not necessarily. Our, our, our matches have never really escalated into anything like that. Like, I've done a steel cage out in the north somewhere. Right. But uh, even then, that was more just me and my dad playing around. It was for somebody else's big thing. But you know what you should do, man? You should just balls to the wall. You know, like, it, when it, whenever it starts up again, uh, go balls to the wall and just go to the Diener compound, man. Confront Diener him compound. on his ground. Yeah. Eh? And say, dude, that's it, man. I'm just going to fuck you up on your home turf. Oh, like man. I just want, I just want to, I just want to annihilate you, and I want you, I want to literally raise your head as you're bleeding like a stuck pig in front of your children, and just say, "Look what I did." <laughs> you know, oh wow! Like you, we talk about realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's pretty real. That is pretty real. That would be pretty real. And obviously, real. I mean, great rivals behind the scenes are most likely the greatest of of compadres, respectful yeah. of each other's work. But, I mean. Is it, is it hard to decipher? Like, again, we talked about walking that line. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, you and Dean have known each other for years. You're obviously great friends behind the scenes. I mean, kayfabe doesn't exist. Everybody's friends behind the scenes, okay, guys? <laughs> um, you, know, we, you know, we talked about him and his dad. They love each other off camera, but on camera, they're going to kill each other. Oh, That's just definitely. the way it works. Definitely. With, with a friend like Dean or somebody you've shared so many rings with and so many stories with, can you blur that line? Because, I mean, you, you know his kids. You know his wife. You've probably been over to his house for dinner. I actually have not. Oh. I have actually not been over to you his gotta, house. You gotta, gotta, gotta fix that, Cody. Yeah, where's my invite, man? What's going on, man? Like, you got elk and, <laughs> and moose and all that good stuff on the compound. Just took a brother up. My goodness. But, know? so, I mean, but again, you know somebody for that period of time. Yeah. Could you ask, could you walk that line? Uh, to honestly? To put aside the friendship or the, the respect for one another to take a story where it needs to go? Honestly, <clears throat> On my side, for answering for myself, I know I could, 100%. I know that if it, if it meant the story escalating and getting more people involved and making people really believe, absolutely, I would do what I could to make this story go. Um, I think Cody actually is another guy that probably could do it as well. I think that if you put the two of us together, I believe that if we put it all on the line, ready to go, like this is raw and we want people to really believe everything that's happening, absolutely, we'd just blur the line out. Line would be a dog to us, as Joey would say in Friends. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah you're a my, Friends guy? I'm a Friends guy. I love so, Friends. Uh, but then, then, of course, you would stare at Diener across the ring and be like, Unagi. Oh, yeah, Unagi. A sense, sure. of, a sense of 
full awareness. Exactly. <laughs> that was another Friends reference, everybody. By another the Friends reference. If you don't get it, I can't help you. Go Again, back, watch some Friends. Crave. It's on Crave, guys. Just it is on Crave. All 10 seasons. So everyone's got a favorite Friends episode. Yes, of course. Okay, so now we've segued into Friends. And this is why I love these <laughs> conversations. Friends, yeah. We segued into it. So everyone has a favorite. My, my favorite one is the couch. Pivot. Yeah, the pivot. pivot. One, yes. I. Would you shut up with the Did pivot? Did you see the reunion? Oh, yeah. They talked about that? Oh, yeah. I love the reunion. Oh, my goodness. And all that just kind of like they couldn't stop laughing through the whole scene. <laughs> I, I still can't stop laughing. Oh, I was, so I was helping my sister move a few weeks ago with my best friend. Nice. And her and I were, were just joking about that. And again, it's up an elevator, so it was completely different. There was yeah. no tight stairwell. But we're in the elevator. We're trying to get the couch. And I'm like, pivot. <laughs> pivot. And it's, at one point, she just got so frustrated. She pushed the couch into the elevator, and I would slam it into the other side. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. But, I mean, that's my favorite Friends episode. Oh. What Everyone's got a favorite Friends episode. I was going to say I love that one, but my favorite is when they switched apartments. Oh, my God, the game. yes. They walk in with the dog. Yeah, they got the whole arm. What is up. Chandler Biggs' job? He's a he's a, like, he's oh. a he's a trans monster. That's not even a word. Yeah. You guys are ruining movie day for us. Oh yes, yes, that is a good one. That was a uh, fantastic. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have the cliche answers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but another good one of mine is where Joey uh, does those city ants, and he has hepatitis. Oh, on the poster? Yeah, the first Thanksgiving and everyone and then Monica has to make three different types of fucking mashed yeah. potatoes for everybody's Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's another one where I, I think a lot of people you know what? There's not really a bad friends episode. No, I was gonna say they they did very well. Like even their football one they did. Yeah. The Geller oh, Cup. Oh my the Geller Cup. The Geller yes. Cup. That was yeah. also another one. I think really good I think one. also too, um the one where Rachel finds out the prom video. Oh yeah, yeah. Those like because I mean you think about it, you invested a season and a half into hoping those two finally get together. And they never did. Like they, in they, real life. No, they never did. Which but is there was so me. so much heat and chemistry on camera, mm -hmm. right? They just did it for the scenes, is what well, they were saying in the reunion. Well, yeah, right? exactly. And even, but even still, the um, like the one where Rachel finding out who the father is, and then Ross picks oh. up it, the little the little subtleties. Ross picks up the sweater. Oh, there's my shirt I've been looking for. Yeah, and, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> like when you were when Friends was on air, Friends was revolutionary television. Oh yeah. But I find now as an adult, I can appreciate the humor so much more. Oh yeah. Because I've been through some of those life experiences. Yeah. Whereas. Um, like when I was eight, nine years old when the show came out, it was all over my head. Yeah. Like I would watch it just because like Monica, I was a Monica guy. Monica was nice. like the hottest thing to me. At the <laughs> Monica, time. eh? Monica Geller, man. I was never Dude, really a Phoebe guy and never really a Rachel guy, but Monica. Yeah, Monica was something. Monica she gave me just... that nice vibe. I think Rachel, it's weird because like if they asked you a question of if you could get rid of one of them, what friend would it be? Phoebe. And you were Phoebe right away. I was eh? Phoebe right away. And I always thought that Phoebe kind of added that weird ditzy side to her where it kind of helped other people's jokes sometimes. Well, did you ever hear the um, the fan fiction about, like, what the show was actually – so the show was based that, that Phoebe was homeless. Yeah, yeah. And that she would watch these five people interact in this coffee shop and she would insert herself into their lives. Oh. But the end of the show was – the reason why they were always at the end, they were always in front of the fountain, because that's where homeless Phoebe would sleep. And that oh. was the connection factor. So Phoebe oh. was actually not, there was, a, there was a fan theory that Phoebe was actually not a member of the cast at all. She was just homeless. Phoebe was a homeless person that would watch through the window of the coffee shop of these five people interacting. And she inserted herself into their lives. Because she does talk about being homeless a lot. Right. And that's but then where, she's got that nice apartment. Right. But, that's, but the, the fan theory was that everything was subconscious in her mind. So oh. when the show ended, she actually died. That's the fan theory. If you go online, it's a really dark and twisted. I actually like the dark and twisted theory. It's a very, uh, very subtle subtleties to it. I was going to say, I've never even heard that, but I'm going to check it out. Next now. time you're on the crapper and everybody Googles when they're on the crapper. So yeah, next yeah, time course, when you're on the crapper and you're Googling. Take that extra 20 minutes. Take that extra 20 minutes and just <laughs> Google the dark friends Phoebe theory. Yeah, eh? It's creepy. Is that what it's called? It's dark. yeah. That's how I found. It. I believe it's called the dark, the dark Phoebe or the Phoebe factor, something Phoebe like that. Phoebe factor. The Phoebe factor. So just Google that. It's it's really good. But you know, when you're watching this on YouTube, comment below what your favorite Friends episode is. Because yes. I would love to. And obviously, don't forget to subscribe because we could always use the subscribers. My daughter always gives me the, kicks my butt because I don't say it like she does. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Cassie's I don't do the, the whole. Ball. Oh, Cassie's on the ball. She's, she's definitely on the ball. She's, listen, she's the future of podcasting. She's better than me. I know this. Nice. And, nice. And I'll never admit it while she's on camera oh, but she's yeah, off camera grinning 
right over there. <laughs> and now she's going to come in the back and just inter- – uh, there she is. There she is. There she is. So it's never, it's very rare that you ever see dad and daughter on camera together. Yeah. So you just you – you help I, make the straight this talk is history. history. Straight talk history. Straight talk history, everybody. We had Cassie and George on the same camera. At the same time. The same time. Huge. It's history. It was history. So my final, my final question. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you – if dad always pushed you into the ring and you didn't go that way. Yeah. Would your relationship with your father still be as strong as it is today? Had Ooh. you not fallen where he... Because, I mean, you found a way to blend music, which was your passion. Yeah. You found a way to blend that with wrestling, which was your dad's passion. So yeah. you're able to blend them together so you and your dad could have what your dad wanted. Yeah. But if wrestling wasn't in the cards for you, would you and dad still have the bond that you have today that you talked about so much throughout this entire conversation? And that's what we do here on Straight Talk, man. I ask the tough questions. That's a, that's a straight talk right there. <laughs> that's it. Straight. Yeah. And it's going to be an exclusive answer right here. Exclusive. Uh, honestly, I don't think so. No way. I don't think we would because everything we've done, we've toured together. We've, we've really bonded on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a lot about him that things that I probably would have never learned if we were at home. Right. So, so would you say that your dad was more honest with you when you were in the wrestling business yes, together? Absolutely. Because I think we, we built more of a friendship, right? So it was, uh, we had our father-son, obviously, relationship. But our father-son relationship turned into a friendship as well. So, like, we grew up together, basically, learning things at the same time. Wow. So it was actually kind of cool. It's one of those things I, I don't really get to say a lot. And I'm sure a lot of people probably don't get to say the same thing about their father-son 100%. relationship. 100%. And uh, honestly, I, I'll never go back and change anything because in my opinion going on the road and learning all these things about my dad and like having that kind of relationship i'll cherish that till the day i die 150 percent, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great way to end the conversation yeah i want to say i was honored privileged to sit oh, down and talk you with so you much. today I was also honored. Thank and you uh much. as always guys you know don't forget to subscribe support we're at 363 subscribers nice we would love to hit 400 by the end of 2021 so you guys can make that happen by taking the two seconds and just clicking that little subscribe button to the right. I finally said it. You can't get mad at me anymore. So please like, comment, subscribe. Uh, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. And please, Jesse, before you go, yes. shout out your socials, CWF socials, so people can keep up and up on what you guys are doing. Love it. Instagram's our biggest one to follow us at. You can follow CWF Canada on Instagram at CWF Canada. Follow me on Instagram at Wrestling's Popstar. And that's really all the ones we care about. So. Yeah, that, that is all the ones we care about. And you guys know <laughs> our socials, but because I'm a glutton for self-promotion, at underscore Straight Talk on Twitter, nice. Straight Talk Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook, and Straight Talk Wrestling on the YouTube. And Where- Mini host has Instagram too. <laughs> mini host has Instagram and it's the mini host. So please follow and support as uh, this dad and daughter. We go around and we just have great conversations with amazing wrestling talent. And now we can add Jesse Bieber to the list of our friends. And you are officially now a member of the Straight Talk family. I love it. So thank anytime you. you want to do this again, brother, it would be an honor to have Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for having me as well. This has been a pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys, that's it for this one. I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you all next time. thank you so much for listening don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on podbean also check us out on youtube at straight talk wrestling on instagram at straight talk wrestling on facebook at straight talk wrestling and on twitter at underscore straight talk and if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch check us out on prowrestlingtees.com Leaving the scene with no trace Not in my lead, you out of place I'm not at the top, I'm out of space Can't eat with us, we're out of place I'm doing fine